0: Welcome to Art More Than Ever, a podcast from the Vermont College of Fine Arts. I'm Erica Heilman. Today, a conversation with artist in residence, Eshrat Urfanian. Erfanian works in video, installation, digital photography, and painting, and interesting combinations of all of the above. She's fascinated by new technologies and how they are changing the way we experience images and the very meaning of images. In this conversation, we talk about how her art making evolved, and we begin in her childhood in Iran. Welcome. Do you have a story or a memory of a first impulse to take what you're seeing or experiencing and make something?
1: Yes, as a child, I remember that I spent a lot of time in the garden in summers with my grandmother. And the very first time I remember that she put me on a bed under a very large maple tree and I was looking up to the sky and could see the contrast between the blue of the sky and the leaves of the tree and the gentle movement of the wind through it. And I remember Clearly, I must have been five or six years old, dreaming about reproducing it.
0: Why did you want to make something from that moment? I don't know. I think
1: I grew up in, a, in the 70s, 60s, 70s, and um, spent none of the uh, distractions that they exist now for kids didn't exist. I spent a lot of time in summers in the summer house with my grandmother I had two younger brothers and two older sisters so they were off to their stuff and the rest of us would be spending time in the garden with my grandmother and she would basically read us stories and then we were left to our own discoveries so I spent a lot of time on my own looking and, I'm very comfortable sitting in a corner watching things. So, and I grew up doing that. I guess the love of looking at things.
0: Did the impulse to make things lead to the tools or did the tools lead to the inspiration to make things? In other words, what was the trajectory to arrive to mixed media? And, and. Was that a kind of coming home? Was that a, arriving to a place where you thought, oh, here it is, this is what I want? It
1: is never a moment that you think you're at home because if it is, then you're done with. There's always the curiosity and the question that leads you to the next discovery. And I believe this methodology, if you want to call it, is very similar to science. You become curious, you look, observation, data gathering, and then you discover little things, and then you want to make a chain out of it, and before you know it, 50 years is gone, and they're calling you a scientist, and that's how I see my life, from the moment that I was telling you about becoming interested to see if I can replicate that blue and the green, because there is a There there was a halo between the two colors. Not that I wanted to make a tree in the wind and the sky, but it is something beyond the visual that draws you to the questioning of what is this. So it it is the question that is always the inspiration. So whether you paint or you draw or you write a poem, you're not aiming at reproduction of the real, but you're aiming at the thing that you want to communicate, and it falls in between the representation and not representation. And and this quest goes on. Uh, If I want to be literal, I was painting in Iran, and then by the time I was in North America, I was in a school uh, another year painting at York University, and then I realized, oh, I can use the stencils instead of painting the whole picture, so I started using stencils. I was getting to understand the mechanical reproduction of the image, and it was already mid mid 80s, early 80s. And by the time I made it to New York to the Whitney program, there was already, we were buying our laptops. So the switch between a paper and a pen, turning into laptop and cell phones was so quick and I was in my early 30s I was curious it was naturally for me it was very it was a very natural transition for me to follow where the images were and images were happening on laptops somewhere that wasn't tangible anymore
0: In service of listeners who can't picture um, or who aren't familiar with your work, if you could describe what it looks like, what it feels like, how people experience it.
1: For one thing, each piece is different. It is video. And it questions uh, the images you're looking at. So you may be encountering some um, beautiful architecture from 1970s and not know where you are and slowly reveals that you may be in a brutalist architecture of um apartment buildings south of tehran but you you may be thinking you are here i I am interested in those banal spaces that we all it's like almost no spaces spaces that refer to no spaces. They don't have characters, they have universality to them. And then I like this shock element that you realize, oh, you're not here, you're somewhere else in Iran. And then I play with patterns a lot because the fractals are very interesting to me as mathematical fundamentals and they are what makes the image. And in the Middle East, there was a time that representation became forbidden And all they could do was to play with patterns, right? Geometric patterns that comes from measuring the stars. And uh, later Persians superimposed that into the Persian gardens. And they came up with uh, very baroque patterns for the carpets. That to this day, it's fascinating to look at. So uh, patterns to me uh, are uh, what makes the reality around me so I often present an image that in motion turns into a pattern and the pattern turns into another image so it's almost like a rhapsody of images
0: what's the connective tissue from one work to the next or how do they lead one to the next and what do they have to do with each other
1: yeah it's a com- it's always combination and it goes from uh, my daily life wherever I am and whatever I'm looking at, uh, plus the news from the outside, uh, be it social, political, or technological news. I get excited about scientists finding out we're not alone in the universe to the one that says, everything we're thinking about this universe is in our head. There is no universe. I get excited about both of them because uh, visionaries always project images that I don't expect. So I, I consume in news and findings, and then based on what I'm looking at, it starts subconsciously working into the process of thinking about an image.
0: Is there some preoccupation that you notice in it? that Or some...
1: Yes. What is this image? What is the nature of the image?
0: Because it is not
1: real. It is an illusion on a screen. It is an illusion on a piece of paper. It is a three-dimensional illusion on a canvas, be it representational or abstract. So what is this space doing here? So I am fascinated with the illusion of the reality we create over and over on our daily behavior so i'm just curious about the nature of this thing called image we fool each other by it we attract each other by it we sell and consume each other's images i don't know i wish i had the answer and i would just rest my eyes (laughs) but i am curious about image
0: so that people, so that listeners can get a picture in their head, can you introduce listeners to the work that you make that questions the image?
1: In the late 90s, I lost my studio, which was in a GM building. And uh, it was turning into a condominium. and I knew I'm going to miss after 15 years of going through the railroad track and the parking lot and all these huge abandoned industrial uh, buildings i took four hours of video and at the end when i had the exhibition i decided to use only still images and first of all was the love of stopping the image as it moves for a fraction of a second and the grainy quality when you print it and then uh, i ended up with 72 images of uh, industrial wasteland, and the actresses were all the offshore businesses that went to China, to Middle East, to Lebanon, to Philippines, to Vietnam. And the interesting part of it was, good friends of mine would come to the show and they would be looking at the images, should have been very familiar to them, right? Silos in the middle of the city that we all know in Toronto but they would read an address in Egypt and they would be complaining that I did not tell them when I went to Egypt. Mm -hmm. So how much of the text we believe in and how much of the eye gives us the knowledge or the bodily knowledge? Mm -hmm. Because we see things in the day, how much of it gets registered? That silo never registered in Anna's mind visually, but as soon as she read Egypt, she thought oh i should have went to egypt so those playing or those setups that makes me understand the power of image or the power of the text or the relationship between them Mm -hmm. those are all um, not games but uh, curiosities that have kept me going
0: so when i was preparing for this interview i'm looking at your work online i found this beautiful installation that you did for the Canadian Embassy in Paris. It's called My 9 AM is Your 10 PM. How would you describe this video installation?
1: That's a collaborative work done by a a collective duo called um, Public Studio. We've worked together before, but uh, one of them is an architect, the other one is uh, an artist, photographer, cinema, educated in cinema and the video installation is made out of uh, 48 uh, flat screens computer screens but we are using them vertically it feels like you're looking at a broken image of a sky and sea and the horizon and it's slowly and it is a slow movement it is eight minutes long loop for each screen before they switch to the other one in order to change the gradual light from the dark to the light. Um, because there's you end up with 24 uh, columns, you, each one represents an hour. So you see it's the element of time that makes the new media interesting. This is a good example of it. And this piece was to go for the competition for the hallway to the immigration at the Canadian Embassy in Paris. So when we were um, brainstorming on images, we wanted it to be something that was a signifier of Canada, Canadian landscape, because Canada is perceived by Europeans as this idyllic, landscape that is not touched um, it's a fascination with wilderness and um, we wanted that to be part of it but also all three of us were very aware of the question of immigration in Europe because they're flooded by the um, refugees and the water is bringing both the dead and the refugees to the European shores So we started by thinking about Canada as a place that is surrounded by two major oceans, Atlantic and Pacific. And we decided we would create images on 3D modeling, which is totally a digital process of making any image. And um, we picked space in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean between the west coast of France and the most east side of Canada and met in the middle of the ocean. So we figured it out through Google and other devices. and Then we measured the time it takes for the sun to go up and go down. This way we thought it's in the middle of the ocean, and two countries meet in the middle, in the middle of nowhere. But the whole point was the idea of horizon. Horizon that doesn't exist. Sky never meets the earth. But horizon is always the place to envision the future, to dream. So we thought it was a strong metaphor to use horizon as where others dream too, just not us. And Canadian Embassy is where I ended up years ago, 37 years ago, walked in and I asked for immigration. I had my reasons after the revolution in Iran, and I wanted to be in North America. So if you have a deadly war going on in, let's say Syria, I put myself in that position all the time that I will have nowhere to go but to run for myself and my family and I would run till I feel safe and for me it was so right to talk about horizon as a place and then having doors opened to the ones who want to use that horizon as trajectory for their future.
0: self-doubt play in the making of your huge
1: work. Huge. Because you constantly worry and you constantly um, get used to changing. Maybe not this one, maybe not that one. That's part of the luxury of working in a studio. But it's a pleasure for me to go into the studio or start a project, knowing how much I can be in control and come up with idea. And then it's like a little plant. You start the seed, not hoping it's not going to grow, but it will grow at its best. And you give it everything you have. That's how I see my practice. I go in, I know there's a degree of failure, but I'm not thinking about the failure.
0: And the self-doubt is always there. You talk, you describe it as a seed, it's an idea. And you can be confident that I mean, you've done it enough to know that mm-hmm. if you feed something, it grows. Yes. It may be misshapen, it may not be what you wanted it to be, but it does, it does.
1: Grow clean. and surprise you. You do your best. And in the process, it has technical difficulties. You troubleshoot. And it may end up to be compromised uh, in what the idea originally was, and you live with it. Or you run into an amazing technician who can do more than what you thought it's possible. And then it becomes an amazing collaborative work, and it goes beyond and above the expectation. It's funny, you are pointing at a process now that is becoming more and more collective because this technology is offering so many uh, new possibilities as we speak for sound, for editing, for production possibilities that no one person can do all. And so on my way to finishing the work. I need the sound person, I need the recording person, I need the makers, and I need technicians to tell me how to do things if I want to work with this certain technology.
0: Well, it's, it's, I, that was one thing I was going to ask, which is when you are making something that requires somebody else's participation, by the end, whose work is it?
1: A collective work. But right now, the ideas behind the work are as important as the making of the work. So if the idea is mine, it's still mine. But it is becoming like a cinema. When you have a director, then you have scrolls of 500,000 people helping. Who directed it, really? One person. So it is becoming almost a collective behavior, and I see myself as a conductor.
0: That was Eshrat Erfanian. Eshrat was a visiting artist for the summer 2017 visual art residency at the Vermont College of Fine Arts. Her work has been exhibited all around the world, and she's a recipient of many grants from the Canada Council for the Arts and the Ontario Arts Council. To learn more about her, you can visit vcfa.edu. The music for Art More Than Ever is from Scott Barkin, a guitarist, songwriter, and also a graduate from the VCFA Composition Program. Links to his work can also be found on our website, vcfa.edu. If you like the show, please consider writing a review on iTunes or spreading the word uh, among your family and friends. This helps new listeners find the show. This is Art More Than Ever, a podcast from the Vermont College of Fine Arts. I'm Erica Heilman. Thanks for listening.